Bibles, let's jump in here. Let's jump on in here to the Word today. All those that are watching us online, our, our Facebook family, social media family, we just welcome you today. We're so glad that you're here. We're, we're blessed to have you with us today. And those that are listening by WAFC 100.5, we just welcome you today as well. Hallelujah. I want to go to 2 Kings chapter 3. I'm going to push on this just a little bit today. I was, uh, every morning when I go and open up the gym or whatever, the, uh, I do it on Sunday mornings, and uh, when I was up there working out just a little bit, I had worked all night through my, my portion, what I felt, just what God was saying and stirring, stirring in my heart. And so I went in there at one point last night, and I told Karen, I said, I just feel like God's doing something. I don't know what it is, but I can't, I can't locate him. I'm trying to locate him because I know when God is speaking and I just want to, I always try to tap into what God is saying. So when I was at the gym on the treadmill this morning, I felt like God put a word in me right there. It's amazing where God will speak to you at. I mean, Lord, I'm like, Lord, you could have said this anytime yesterday. That would have worked just fine. But it's like, I was there and it's like, God put something in me. And so I, I went back to the house and just began to pull together the thoughts that I felt like he was downloading in my spirit. And so I'm going to go after this today and I believe it's going to be a blessing. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, we might as well go for God today. Come on, just tell him we might as well go for him today. So second Kings chapter three, I'm going to begin reading in verse number one. Now Jehoram, the son of Ahab became king over Israel at Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat the king of Judah, and he reigned 12 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, though not like his father and his mother. Jehoram's father and mother was Ahab and Jezebel. And he, and for he had put away the sacred pillar of Baal, which his father had made. Nevertheless, he clung to the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebuch, which made Israel sin, and he did not depart from them. Now, Mesha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder, and he used to pay the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. And when Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel and King Jehoram. And King Jehoram went out of Samaria at the same time and mustered all Israel. Then he went and sent word to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? And he said, I will go up. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. And he said, Which way shall we go up? And he answered, The way of the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they made a circuit of seven days' journey. Somebody shout seven days. And there was no water. Somebody shout no water. And there was no water for the army, for the cattle that followed them. Then the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord here? In other words, is there anybody in the camp of Israel that sounds like God? Is there not a voice in the camp of Israel? 
that sounds like God. Is there not a prophet in the land that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat is here, who used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Now Elisha, the king of Israel, and, and said to the king of Israel, what do I have to do with you? He's talking to, to all these crazy guys that are just scurrying because they've been in sin and all these kings. He says, what do I have to do with you? Go to your prophets of your father. In other words, go, go to the prophets of Ahab and Jezebel. And the king of Israel said to him, No, the Lord has called these three kings together to give them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. Now bring me a minstrel or a musician. And it came about that when the minstrel played, that the hand of the Lord, was upon him was upon him and he said thus saith the lord make this valley full of trenches or ditches for thus saith the lord you shall not see wind nor shall you see rain yet the valley shall be filled with water so that you shall drink both you and your cattle and your beasts and this is but a slight thing in the sight of the lord and he will also give the moabites into your hand and then you shall strike every fortified city, every choice city, and fell every good tree, and stop all the springs of water, and mar the good piece of the land with stones. And it happened in the morning, about the time of the offering of the sacrifice, that behold, water came by the way of Edom, and the country was filled with the Spirit of God. The country was filled with water. Water represents the moving or the Spirit of God. And the whole country was filled with water. Verse number 16, this is, where, this is what God spoke to me on the treadmill this morning. This is, the, this is the word that came up into me. He said, make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, you shall not see wind nor shall you see rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water that you shall drink, you and your cattle and your beasts. We've been in this theme that I titled, Don't Miss Your Moment, but I want to just add a subtitle to our theme today, and I just subtitled it, Just Keep On Digging. Just Keep On Digging, because God is about to flood this place with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. God is about to make it rain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is about to release an anointing over your life like you have never seen in the history of your life. But somebody just has to keep on digging. You got to keep digging for your promise. You got to keep digging for your inheritance. You got to keep digging for your destiny. Come on, I need a live church this morning. You got to keep digging towards the things of God. Push on somebody and tell them God is about to make it rain up in here. Come on, tell them God is about to make it rain. Just keep on digging. Keep on digging. Let me pray for you this morning. Holy Spirit, I thank you today for what you're going to do in this place. 
Lord, I thank you this morning that you're the preacher, the teacher, you're the revelator. Lord, you're the revealer, you're the communicator of all truth. Lord, there is no truth apart from you. You are truth. Lord, we thank you today for what you're going to do in the hearts of people's lives. Thank you today for breakthrough. Hallelujah. Thank you today for victory in Jesus. And Lord, we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise for it now. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. And amen and amen. God bless you this morning. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. Let me just take a few moments and kind of give you a little bit of backdrop and a little bit of history of what's going on in this particular passage of Scripture so that we can get to where we need to get to this morning. In our text, it tells the story of King Jehoram and how he was about to lead the nation of Israel into battle with Mesha, who at that particular time was the king of Moab. And at this particular time in the history of Israel, they had been divided into two different kingdoms. You had the northern kingdom, which consisted of ten tribes that Jehoram was king over. And then you had the southern kingdom that consisted of the other two tribes that Jehoshaphat was king over. And so you had these two tribes that were meshing together now trying to get some help because we find where Jehoram... Uh, and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom, now they're pulling their strengths together to go against Moab. This is going to be very important for you to pick up on what I'm about to say to you this morning to understand where we're coming from. Moab represents to us a type of the world. Moab was a dirty nation. Moab was a nasty nation. Moab constantly throughout its history, always brought trouble against Israel. Moab, who was the son of Lot, he was a person before he became a nation. Moab was the son of Lot that was born through incest. So Moab was a nation that had been conceived in sin. Moab became known as a cruel place. Moab was a nation that was filled with idolatry. Moab was the place that would steal your children and bury them before their time was up. Moab would come in and break up and destroy families. Moab was a dream killer. Moab would come in and just begin to wreak havoc upon the people of God. Moab represents to us in our terms the carnal way of living or the self side of human behavior. Moab was the one, the nation that refused the passage of Israel when they came out of Egypt. Moab wouldn't let them come by their way, which would have been shorter. They refused their passage to come through on their way to the promised land. Moab was the person that hired Balaam to curse Israel. Moab was a problem for Moses, Joshua, Ehud, Jephthah, David, Solomon, Jehoshaphat, Elijah. Now it's a problem for Elisha and the children of Israel. Moab represents to us that old man, that, that lustful side of mankind, that fleshly desires of carnal living. That's what Moab represents. So we have Jehoram and the nation of Israel going into battle with Moab. You have the people of God going against Moab. But Jehoram has no confidence. The king of Israel 
has no confidence that he can win because he himself has led Israel astray from God. We read it in our text. The Bible says he did evil in the sight of the Lord. So Jehoram, even though he moved the image of Baal that his father and his mother had set up, Ahab and Jezebel, he removed the image, but he did not take away the worship of idolatry. He didn't take away the worship of the people's hearts when it came to worshiping a false god. But Jehoram, here he is now, he's in a bind because Moab is breathing down Israel's neck with vengeance and with fire to destroy them. And Jehoram did not destroy the worship of Baal among the people. So now the nation was living in compromise. The nation is living in mixture because of their pagan practices. And here you have the people of God fixing to go against the enemy of God. And Jehoram has no confidence. How many know that when you don't walk right with God, you don't have confidence before God? And now you have this king of Israel who has no confidence that God is going to help him because he himself has led an entire nation away from the things of God. Let me just take a pause break right here. Ladies and gentlemen, just because America says they love God don't mean they love God. Just because we have a church that says they love God doesn't mean everybody is practicing loving God. You can have pagan worship going on in your household while you stand in the house of God. In Moab, let me just work it out just a little bit further. Moab literally means, this will be on the screen, it literally means to be lazy or idle. Moab is the nation that will rob you of the potential of your anointing. When you, when you live in Moab or when you practices, practice the, 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 the pagan worship or the idolatry of worship in Moab, you no longer exercise your gift and you no longer release your anointing and your Christian walk begins to become idle. Your Christian walk towards the things of God began to get a little lazy. And so here you have this nation who has been engulfed with Moab's presence around them. And Moab says, we are coming and we're coming to root you out. We're coming to overthrow you. You have this worldly desire, these fleshly carnal natures that are coming against the people of God and they're coming because they want to overthrow them. How many know that if you understand the context of what I'm, what I'm talking to you about this morning, Moab is the place that will never make a demand on you to change. And how many know the enemy wants to keep you living in the spirit of Moab, where you never have to change, but you just constantly keep going through the motions of what you're in right now? Moab is the place of conformity. Moab is the place of compromise. Moab is the place of mixture. And if I can say this with all the love that I can muster up this morning, stop being, stop being uh, if I could say it this word, stop being insulted over the fact that your life can get better. Stop being offended that somebody's calling you out in your weakness and just understand that God's got a better place for you. God's got a higher place for you to go. How many know that growth will demand change? The Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the perfect 
and acceptable will of God for your life. Let me break it down just a little further. Let me give it to you in the message translations. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. This will be on the screen. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture. Are y'all with me so far? Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to list its, to, to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well and well-formed maturity in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I heard Vanessa say a while ago that we live in a world of distractions. If you're not careful, the world will continue to creep in you. Where's all my amens at? And the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world. In other words, don't live by the same old patterns. Don't live by the same old fashions. Don't live by what the world is doing. But understand there's something deeper on the inside of you. There's something moving on the inside of you that's deeper than what the world could ever offer. It says, be transformed. In other words, begin to, to apply the word of God to your life on a different level so that you can be changed from the inside out so that your life begins to reflect something different. I'm going to get to the happy part in a minute, but you better help me loosen up the atmosphere right now because what God is saying to us, there is a worldly spirit out there. And if you keep giving license to it, you're going to end up living under the influence of Moab, Moab, and it's going to take your children before it's time. It's going to take your life before it's time. It's going to cause you to miss out on what God has for your life. So don't be conformed to the cultural patterns of this world, but be transformed, be renewed in your mind. Come to a different level of thinking in the way you operate with God. Look what happens when you're not willing to come out of Moab. Look with me in Jeremiah. These are just a couple of scriptures that I want to lay some foundation to. Jeremiah chapter 48, verse number 11. And Moab has been at ease or idle since his youth. He has also been undisturbed like wine on its dregs or its dross. And he has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into exile. Therefore, he retains his flavor. One translation says he retains his taste and his aroma or his scent has not changed. One of the ways back in those days that you would purify wine was to pour it from vessel to vessel. And it would continue to go through the process that the dregs or the dross will eventually settle at the bottom. Moab was a place that refused to be processed. They refused to be poured from vessel to vessel. Therefore, they were always sour and full of impurities. The people in Moab settled for the sediments at the bottom. 
the sour part, and they never became their potential. They forfeit the process, therefore they lose their ability to be all that they can be because they refuse to be processed. Now, I don't want to step on anybody's toes so early in the morning here, but when you refuse to be processed, what you're saying, God, I can handle it the way I want to handle it. God, I got this with or without you. I can do it my way. And sometimes, so many times in the body of Christ, if we're not careful, you ever met anybody that just got one of them bad attitudes? I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about your Christian friends. They just always walking around, look like a volcano that's about to explode. Don't look at nobody. I'm just trying to talk to you for a minute. They're just, they're just mad all the time. And I'm saying, you need to be processed. <laughs> Moab was a, was a place that refused to be processed, and they were always sour. People in Moab settled for the bottom of the barrel. They forfeit their process. Watch this now. A couple things that you can take notes on, then we're going to preach it out. Two things that can happen when you're not growing in God. Number one, we should be becoming more pure. Look with me in 2 Corinthians. Man, y'all was like amen in the, the worship team and just like getting with the worship. Now I feel like Moab is in the house here somewhere. I got to find Moab. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 14. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has an unbeliever in common with a, a believer has in common with an unbeliever? And let me go on down, verse number 16. Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? We are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Verse number 17, therefore, come out from among their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. Mm. Notice that the further you go with God, the more pure you should become. There should be things in our Christian walk that we separate ourselves from. There ought to be places in our lives where we begin to understand that in order for me to follow God in this direction, there are some things in my life that cannot make the journey with me. There has to be things in my life that I'm willing to be purified. I have to bring things through the cross. I have to bring some things through the blood of Jesus. There's some old natures in me that I cannot take to the next level of living. There's some old dimensions in me that God will just not let me have or carry because God wants to take you from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from strength to strength. God wants to move you. And how many of you know this, that the closer you get to God, the less he will let you get away with. So there ought to be a progression in your life. Come on, push on somebody and tell them you ought to be growing in God. You ought, to be, you ought to be growing in God. There ought to be some things in your life that ought to be perpetually growing in God. You shouldn't be hung up on the same things that you, got, that you were hung up on when you got saved 15 years ago. 
You shouldn't be tripping up over the same things that you're tripping up over when you got saved 25 or 30 or 40 years ago. There ought to be this perpetual movement of growth in your life where you begin to move towards the things of God. So your life should become a little bit more pure. All right. The second thing is we should be releasing a better scent. <laughs> Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 14. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Somebody shout every place. People shouldn't just know that you are a Christian at church. They ought to know that you love God on your job. Huh? The people that you work around, they ought to know that there is an aroma that's coming out from you. There's a scent that's coming out from you. And it don't smell like Moab. It don't smell like the world that you've been called out of. There's something different about your walk. Ah, there's something different about the way you talk a thing. There's something different about the way you behave. Somebody would have done lost their mind, been strung out on crack. But you handle it like it ain't nobody's business. Because there's something in you that's just releasing the aroma of Christ everywhere you go everywhere you go you smell different Woo. he says let me go in, in that number verse number 15 and we are the scent or the fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing look at your neighbor and say I smell something <laughs> <Not> <laughs> There ought to be something different. That's what I'm trying to say to you. You, you, you. you should not be living in Moab's world. Moab has an agenda. Moab is coming to kill you. Moab is coming to destroy you. If you don't believe me, just read about Abimelech who left, the Bible says, he left the land of Bethlehem, Judah. He left the land of the house of bread and praise and he went to Moab and he lost his boys. He lost his family and they died in the land of Moab. If you're not careful, if your scent never changes, come on, if you're not willing to be processed, if you're not willing to be stretched, if you're not willing to be challenged, I know and I'm not naive enough not to know that there are people that are listening to me right now. You rolling your eyes. I hope they get stuck because that's part of the the process. You refuse to be challenged. You refuse to be changed. And when somebody tries to challenge you, you get mad. You get offended. You get upset. That's because Moab has a grip on your life. Moab is choking out your purpose. Moab is choking out your destiny. There's people in this room that you've been coming to church long enough. We shouldn't say you ought to lift up your hands. You ought to come in here with an offering of a sacrifice with my hands lifted up. You ought to come up in here ready. They, I couldn't wait to get up this morning because when they said let us go into the house of the Lord, I was thrilled. I was excited because I'm not going to let Moab come into my house. I'm not going to let Moab get up in my I am coming to make a difference in my generation. I am coming to set the environment and Moab can't stay when it smells like Christ Moab you got to learn you got to learn how to deal with Moab that means there ought to be this 
continuity of your worship. There ought to be this continuity of your fellowship with God. There ought to be this continuity of you spending time in your Bible, spending time in your prayer life, your personal prayer life. You shouldn't have a prayer meeting every time you have a crisis. You ought to be praying before the crisis ever gets there. You ought to be able to know how to walk with God before trouble ever comes. There ought to be peace in the midst of the storm. There ought to be the power of God that's rated and you know that it's within you. It's the scent of God. It's the fragrance of Christ. I'm going to preach it in a minute. I'm about to get to my point. You can tell when people are influenced by Moab because they retain. Now, we're not talking about the world. We're talking about the church. Israel. Israel had conformed to Moab. The church, if we're not careful, will conform to Moab. And you can tell when people are influenced by Moab because they retain that old nature. That old nasty taste. (laughs) That old sour attitude. That old fleshly lifestyle. People in Moab look like a Christian, but they're nasty. (laughs) They're nasty. They don't smell like Christ. Where's all my amens at? Just look at your name and say, I don't know who he's talking to, but I'm glad it ain't on my road. Just tell him that. I don't know. I, I'm glad it ain't on my road. I'm just, I, he just, I'm telling you, I'm tell, I woke up at the, I, I woke up, but I was at the gym and the Holy Spirit said to me, we're about to dig some ditches because we're about to break the spirit of Moab. I'm telling you, God is taking this place to another level, and we're not going to smell like Moab. There's going to be the fragrance of Christ that's going to flow through our lives. People in Moab, they look like a Christian, but they're nasty. They come to church, but they have that, they retain that old taste for sin. <laughs> it's that old taste buds, that old familiar smell that keeps dragging you back. They come to church and worship God, but they still have a taste for sin. Got one amen over here and one over here. rest of y'all, now y'all got me nervous. They they, they worship, but they still have a taste for sin. They they, they worship, but they still having sex outside of marriage. Mm, Need a Hammond B3 now. Getting quiet up in this Holy Ghost filled church. (laughs) They worship God, but they still using inappropriate language. Can't break the cuss in your life. Been saved for 20 years and you're still cussing. Might check one, two. Still doing inappropriate things. Still getting high. I'm just going to watch the lights and let them blind me. I'm not going to look at nobody. I'm just going to stay blinded the whole service. Still getting drunk. It's a taste for sin. It's got that taste. Just the influence of Moab. Still walking in rebellion against the word of God. Just got that taste. Like, I'll go off on them if I want to. You should have heard what they said. Just that, that, just, that, that, just that taste for sin. Walking around like you some gangster. 
Like you bad. <laughs> you, you know you ain't bad. Your mama still tucks you in. <laughs> huh? Still wearing. What's that? Peppa? Peppa? What's that? Cartoon? Peppa Pig pajamas to bed. You ain't bad. Still walking with that old sour, unprocessed life. Doing what you want to do, when you want to do it, and how you want to do it. You ain't bad. You lost. You lost. Refuse to be processed by the working of God. And then you get yourself into a bind when Moab is putting pressure. Now you want God to step in and deliver. Come on, Jehoram. Now you want God to show up, but the whole time you have allowed idol worship in the camp. You have allowed the enemies of God to begin to conform your life and your belief system and your behavior to something that God never gave license to. Just because Ahab and Jezebel ain't around, you're still bound by the spirit of deception. Still bound by the spirit of manipulation. Just because the altars of Baal have been torn down, you still worship at the altar of your own flesh. Talk to me up in here for a moment now. Watching things you shouldn't be watching. Hmm? Visiting sites that you should not be clicking on to. Got one good amen over here. <laughs> Y'all got me nervous because if I was sitting there, I'd be amen like, hey, this ain't on me. This ain't on me. I, I, uh, amen. Preach, Pastor. I'm going to make sure that person next to me hear what you got to say. Preach. <laughs> preach. Right there. Preach. Preach. Y'all way too silent for me. I'm just telling you, you say, well, man, we all know each other. This is a good church. It's a fabulous church. It's, a, it's an award-winning church. This is a church of power. and things. But I'm just telling you, Moab creeps in. Moab steals your distraction. Moab comes in and he begins to break your focus. And you become so idle in your worship. You become so idle in your pursuit of the things of God. You start just laying back on your dreads, taking it easy on your leaves, and there's no pressing to the things of God. It's if we asked you, if we interviewed you, you would say, oh, I love God. He's my Savior. But your sin don't show where you're at. Your sin does not line up with your testimony. Sooner or later, your sin needs to mirror your testimony. So when you say you love God, you have to say, well, you didn't even have to tell me. I could tell by the way you carried yourself. I could tell by the way your attitude was. I could tell you love God when somebody went off on you and you just begin to pray for them. Pray for those who despitefully use you. You just begin to bless people when they were trying to curse you. You just said, I got it all right because God is up in my camp. Push on somebody and tell them we're about to dig something in a minute now. We're about to dig. We're about to dig. Watching things you don't need to be watching. Listening to things you don't need to be listening to. I'm just going to say this now. I love, I love all kinds of genre of music. I do. I, I, can, I, can, I can switch the board easily. I, 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 I like from old-time gospel, country gospel, I mean, you name it, uh, to, to rhythm and blues. I, I like it. I like, I like all kinds of I like country. I like... Airbnb, I like it all. You know, I got it. 
I'm there. I'm all over. I I like all of the stuff that goes on. But I want to tell you something. I don't let any kind of crazy, jacked-up music get inside my ears. I am selective about what I listen to. I'm not going to let some jack leg, off-the-wall, don't-love-God kind of somebody, even though the lyrics may be smooth, but I understand it's the music that begins to move you into a dimension of your worship. What you listen to the most, you become like. Amen. Preach on, preacher. Let me just say this, because I'm just, I'm just picking on everybody now. So, so just look at your name and say, it'll be all right. He's going to hit somebody on your row in a minute, so don't worry about it. Just don't even worry about it. We, we got young ladies that are growing up in our culture, in our generation. They can't even be 13 no more. They got to, they got to like, wear, they got to like show their breasts. Let, let me say this to all the young ladies out there. All the single ladies. Let me say this to all the ladies out there. All the ladies out there. If that dude is only interested in breasts, thighs, and legs, don't take him home. Send him to Popeye's. Go on down there and get your chicken because you ain't about to invade this space. Yeah. Well... You got a jacked up culture. Young ladies can't be young ladies. You know why? You know why the selfie craze is on? People taking pictures on Instagram. All the, it's all it's all about self image and everything, you know. And then they, they'll 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 spend an hour trying to get that perfect selfie, and 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 then they'll they'll spend another hour putting it through a filter because they want to get all these likes, but they don't even like themselves. Trying to get identity through somebody else's approval. Your identity don't come through nobody else. Your identity comes through the one who saved you, the one who redeemed you. Listen, I, listen. that's why I got, I'm at a place now. I don't care what people say or think because, listen, you didn't die for me. You're not going to come back for me. You can't fix me when I'm broken. You can't heal me when I need to be healed. But I know the one that can. So I'm not worried about what you say, what you think, or how you feel about it. All I want to do is I want to please him at the end of the day. At the end of the day, he's the audience of one. I want to make sure that he knows I don't smell like like the world I've been called out of. They refuse to be processed. They refuse to grow. Talking about the people of God. So their sin never changed. Amos 6.1 says, Woe to those who are at ease in Zion. Woe to those who are idle in the church. Woe to those who refuse to grow or change. When we refuse to change, then our testimony never changes. Hallelujah. But I came to preach this morning to some people who refuse to allow the spirit of Moab to confine them. I came here today with a message to say, you know what? We can break the grip of Moab off from us and we can get some water in our land. This is interesting to me, and I'm going to skip now because we're rapidly running out of time. How I many know that sometimes whenever God gets ready to bless you, when God gets ready to promote you, God takes you through unexpected places that looks really hard. 
But it's in those places that God begins to prove who he is in your life. And in our text, the Bible says they, they went by the way of the wilderness of Edom. Notice that they were in the wilderness. They were in a place of lack. They were in a place of struggle, a place of not enough. They were in a place of limited resources. But God was saying to them, if you can just trust the process, Israel, if you can just trust me in the process, I know what I'm doing. And I'm going to lead you into places that might look hard right now. And it may not even agree with you right now, but I'm so glad that God don't have to ask my permission to do his will. Because there have been a lot of times in my life I would have changed it if I could. I would say, God, I think you're messing up. How many ever said that to God? God, I don't, I'm wondering if you really know what you're doing. mind me. Hey, hey. They were going through the way of the wilderness. See, sometimes when God's got to shift you, he first has to shake you. He's got to put you in a place where you're being uh, shifted and sifted so he can promote you. And if we're not careful, when God begins to move us through a place of sifting and shaking, we start rebelling because we don't like the way it feels. We don't like what we're going through. But if you can understand that he's God and you're not, he knows how to fix what he created. He is the manufacturer of your life. So God puts us through places that don't look Convenient through places that are not even normal. And see, some of you in this place today, I feel this by the unction of the Holy Ghost. Trust me, I had a different word, but God put this on me today. Some of you have been in a low place for so long, for such a long time. But I'm trying to tell you, it's not that God has abandoned you. It's not that God has rejected you. It's the fact that God is bringing himself to another dimension in your life and he knows that you're in that low place he knows that you're in that hard place but he's trying to change the momentum of your life he's trying to change the trajectory of your life since the since the pandemic uh, almost two years ago the church has been idle the church has almost become lazy and God is saying I am shifting my people because I'm trying to bring the church to another state of glory and you can't get there as long as you keep functioning the way you've been functioning I know you love me but there's some stuff in your life that can't go where I'm taking you so I got you in this process where I'm 
shifting you. I'm breaking off the dregs and the dross. I'm putting you on your leaves so that I can begin to purify your walk. I want to purify your talk. I want to purify your love for me. So I'm taking you to a place that don't make no sense in your mind. It's beyond the logic of your reasoning. But I'm taking you to a place that when it's all said and done, you're going to step back and say, look what the Lord has done. Woo, ain't he been good to me all the days of my life. So God is trying to change the momentum. So he's allowed you to go through the valley of a negative place so that he can bring about a great victory. Push on somebody and tell them your momentum is shifting now. Your momentum is shifting. It's shifting. This will be on the screen for you. The prophetic word comes to dislodge our mind from the negative thought patterns that seeks to limit us. It's what the prophetic does. And if you don't understand anything about it, it's okay. But I'm just trying to say I'm preaching to you prophetically. Because I'm trying to dislodge your mindset. Because we have been stuck in a rut. Come on, the pandemic was tough. We've lost some loved ones out of this house. We've lost some good people in the midst of all that. We've lost some businesses. We've lost some lives. There's, a, there's all kinds of hardships that have happened in people's lives. But I'm just trying to tell you, God ain't finished with the church. God's not finished with what he started. You may be going through some tough times right now. You may feel like you're in a hard place. You may feel like you're in a wilderness where there's lack and there's nothing around you. But you got to understand God is setting you up for a momentum shift. God is setting you up because your valley is about to be filled with water that you can't explain. The valley is about to be filled with something that you didn't even put there. The valley is about to be filled with the outpouring. Can I just say it the way I want to preach it? I believe America is about to be filled. I believe the valley of America is about to be filled with the revival spirit of God. And I believe that the winds of God are shifting and blowing over an entire nation. And we're about to see some of the most radical, monumental moves of the Holy Spirit that we have ever seen in the history of our lifetime. Come on, if you believe that, give God a praise one time. Come on, praise Him like you know it's true. Prophecy is not God telling you what's about to happen. It's telling you what's already happening. It's just waiting on your arrival. We're about to get in line with God. (laughs) We're about to line up with God. He said the word was make this valley full of ditches. It's amazing when you think about the, the valley or the low places. It's not a place of defeat. It's a place where momentum can shift against your enemies. All those tears I cried, all that pain I felt, all those sleepless nights I stood up and stayed awake and trying to find God in the midst of the agony of the pain, it wasn't in vain. God was just processing me to another dimension of faith. God was processing processing me into another level of faith. When I lost my dad in August, I thought my world had been 
snuffed out from under me and then I lost my pastor, my bishop in January. I really thought the whole world had been sifted out from under me. And I thought, God, why do I have to be? I feel so vulnerable. I feel so lost. I don't feel like I have a covering. I don't feel like I have a voice. I don't feel like I have my, 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 my dad in my life no more. Everything has just been shifted and shaken. And God, I don't know where to go. I don't know how to deal with it. But God said, just hold tight, son, because I'm going to let you know there's a dimension in me that you can't get to without the valley. There's a place in me that you can't find without this valley. And I didn't put this valley in your life to kill you. I didn't put this valley in your life to defeat you. I put it in this I put you in this valley to sift you and to process you so that when everything and the smoke clears, you're going to know that I am still God. And at the end of the day, you're still going to be standing and declaring thus saith the Lord. You got to know that when the enemy comes in, you got to know that there is a greater power on the inside of you. There's a greater God on the inside of you. He's the God of this world talking about the enemy. He's the, he's the God of the airways, but he's not God of everything. He, God is God over everything. And you just need to know you may be crying today and you may feel like your valley is thin, flooded with your own tears. But you got to know at the end of the day, God is going to make it up. God is going to do what he was called to do over your life. God is going to be the restoration of your hope. God is going to be the restorer of your life. He is not finished with what he started. It's the valley. It's the valleys where you learn how to depend on God. Anybody can serve God when the money's good. Anybody can serve God when your children are acting right. Anybody can serve God when you don't have a complaint in your marriage. I'm talking about those times when there, when it don't look like nothing is lining up. That's where your praise has to come from. Your praise don't just come from the mountaintop. Your praise comes from the valley. Your praise comes from the things that you can't explain. The praise comes from those levels of your life when it makes absolute. I wish you would respond better than what you're responding because there's some people down your road that need to know that God is not finished. God is still at work with the product that he has God will make it good at the end of the day we know all things work together for the good to them that love God and who are called according to his purpose we know that God is not done Joshua found himself in Joshua 10 he found himself in the valley of Ashalon but he found out that in that valley he didn't know how powerful God was he just, he, just, he just knew God on one dimension. But when he was in that valley of Ashalon, that's when he began to make this prayer and he began to speak to the cosmos. <laughs> he began to speak to the stars, the moons, and the planets. He didn't know how powerful God was. And the Bible says when he got through praying, God held up the cosmos. God held up the solar system that the sun refused to go down because of a prayer of one man. Jo- Joshua understood at that time, I don't care how bad it gets, if God has to arrest the solar system if God has to hold the entire universe at bay just to answer my prayer he will stop the planets he will stop the stars he will stop the movement of the earth just to hear the cry of my own prayer Joshua found out how bad he was how good he is 1 Samuel 17 David found himself in the valley of Elah against a worldly known giant some translators call him the shock soldier. 
Here David is as just a young boy, just a teenager going up against a shock soldier who has never been defeated. All of Israel was hiding in caves and on the mountainside. But David said, your servant will go after him because your servant has already proved himself with the lion and the bear. God could help me on the backside of a desert. I believe God can help me in the valley. If you don't know him on the desert side, you'll never know him in the valley. But if he was faithful to you in the desert, you got to know he'll be faithful to you in the valley. It's just the God that we serve. Ezekiel found out that this God would even cause dry bones to live again. Ezekiel was in the valley, the Bible says. He was in the valley of dry bones. And the Bible and the word of the Lord says, Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy. Prophesy, son of man, to these bones. And and Ezekiel begins the dialogue with God. Lord, what do you want me to prophesy? I don't even know if these bones can live. I don't know if you can do anything. And God said, I just want you to prophesy. Call to the wind from the four corners of the earth and ask it to blow on these that are dead, these that have been slain, this bleached out body of armies. I want you to ask God. I want you to ask me so that I can blow on them ladies and gentlemen Ezekiel began to prophesy as he was commanded and suddenly there was a shaking in the universe there was a shaking in the wind there was a movement of God I'm trying to tell you if you'll just open up your mouth in your valley God will begin to blow over those things that you thought were lost he'll blow over those things that you thought was disconnected and dead forever he's the God of the valley where God begins to shift the momentum of your life. David said it best in Psalms 23, Yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for for thou, thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. Notice that David said, I go through the valley. I'm not camping out in the valley. I'm not going to build a house in the valley. I'm not going to pitch a tent in the valley. I'm not going to keep my furniture in the valley. I'm moving through this dark place. I'm moving through this place that don't make no sense. But at the end of the day, God will be with me. It's in the valleys of our life that we begin to understand. It's in those wildernesses that it don't make no sense. Here's a couple things you can write down. Then we're going to go. I know the, I know the time, but just let me give these to you. Because we got guests next week and I won't be able to finish it. Number one, how do we keep from missing our moment? Number one, don't ever act like you don't need God. Don't ever act like you don't need God. I won't say it again. Don't ever act like you don't need God. That was going on with the nation of Israel. It was their apathy towards God. The reason why you worship something else because you don't think you need God. The reason why you got all these other things going on in your life is because you don't think that God can fulfill your life. So you fill it with alcohol. You fill it with drugs. You fill it with sex. You fill it with porn. You fill it with bad attitudes. You fill it with wrong motives. You fill it with unrighteousness. God will never give you a lifestyle where he is not necessary. He will always need to be necessary in your life. No matter how good you may have it, how much money you make, hear me, businessman, businesswoman, no matter how much money you make, how smart you are, you will never be at a place where you don't need God. There are billionaire, millionaires, 
actors and singers and entertainers who are strung out every day of their life. They have to take drugs to get up and drugs to go to bed. And it ain't a money problem. It's a void problem. You're never going to be too cute, too pretty, or too good looking where you don't need God. Let me put it to you this way so we can close. Only God can make it rain. Only God can make it rain. And if you don't believe that God is in control, act like you don't need him one time. Act like he ain't that big of a deal in your life. Just keep playing around with God. Keep flirting with God. Just keep flirting with God. Just come to church every now and then on a Sunday and act like you love God. And every now and then read a scripture at Christmas time and act like you're in love with God. But you're just flirting. You're just playing. I just came to announce your playtime is over. The playtime in the American church is over. God is looking for people that want to be sifted, that want to have their life rearranged so that when the world looks at you, you smell like Jesus. When everything is working for you, just be thankful. Just be grateful. I want to tell you something. What, what, whatever your theology is and whatever your politics is, I, I, it, don't, that don't even, it don't bother me. But I'll tell you, America was put through a sifting because we act like we had it together without God. And I say that because we have done our best to kick him out. And you say, well, that's just the politicians we have. Well, that's because that's the people that voted them in. They wouldn't be there if we didn't put a vote in there. They wouldn't be in places of power unless we supplied the power to them. But I'm telling you, God's about to wake up a sleeping giant called the church. The church is about to rise up. You want God back in America? Put some righteousness back in the White House. Put some people that love God back in the White House. Put some people that love God back in our communities, that run our communities. You want to see a nation get flipped upside down for the things of God? Put some righteous, Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled believers who's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because they know it is the power of God unto salvation because you can't make me and you will not break me because I serve a God that is bigger that's above all that man could ever do to me come on if you believe God you ought to praise him right there I'm telling you ought to praise him right there I'm telling you 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 ought to praise him right there we need Holy Ghost on fire people act like you don't need God ugh the king had led Israel into idolatry when the times were good and they forsook God because they didn't need God. But now they're at a place because Moab is coming. The very spirit you worship is coming to kill you. Now all of a sudden we need God. Like he's a vending machine God. God, now I want some, so I'm just going to Put my little bit of time in and pull out what I want. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. You're not going to mock him. Talk to me up in here. People don't worship God because they don't think they need him. God help this house never get to a place where we feel like we can make it without him. See, the thing about trouble, and I'm convinced, somebody said, well, the trouble's all the devil. No, sometimes God allows you to go through trouble because that's the only time he gets to visit with you. 
Trouble will make you look to God. I wonder how many people in this room today, you don't have to say nothing, please don't even acknowledge it, but I wonder how many people in this room would be serving God if they didn't have no trouble. Because you know what? I know, I, I know business people that begin to make money. God begins to elevate them, begins to expand their business. They start making money. They've been praying all the time, God, I want to make money for the kingdom. God all of a sudden starts blessing your business. Now we can't find you. You know why? Because money gives you options. When you didn't have nothing, you was going after God like nobody's business. But when God began to bless you, now you think you got it all together. You can handle it now. Money has given you up. Now you got toys that you got to play with. You got places that you got to go. There was a day you were faithful in the house of God. There was a day that you didn't have to ask to come to the house of the Lord. You knew when we had something going on. You knew when it was time to worship. And we didn't have to beg you to serve. We just came up in here. What must I do to be a part of what God is doing in the earth? But money. Money gives you options. I'm just trying to help us understand because there was a time in your life when you were so hungry for God because you wanted something. You wanted something so bad that you were going after God. You were praying like you never prayed before. And then when God gives it to you, now you act like you don't need him. Come on, Israel. Don't be like that. God cannot be an add-on. He cannot be optional. <laughs> he cannot be your hobby. Church can't be your hobby. Serving God can't be your hobby. It has to be who you are. I don't go to church. I am the church. I'm the church when I'm behind the pulpit and I'm the church when I'm out hanging out with a bunch of sinner friends and letting them know that you're not going to influence me but you hang around me long enough and you're going to start smelling my sin. You're going to start seeing a different flavor coming out of my life. Number two, let me get to this one. Number two, you got to learn how to find the music. If you don't want to miss your moment, you got to learn how to find the music. Elisha understood that if Israel was going to get their momentum back, he needed to change the atmosphere. Because the first thing he did was he called for a minstrel. He called for a musician. We got people dying. We got resources dying. Cattle is dying. And you want to play some music? That's right. That's right. We got soldiers that are falling out because they're dying of thirst. We can't eat because our cattle is dying, our sheep are dying because there's no more water. And you want to play some music? <laughs> you want to put some music? And Elisha said, yeah, I need a minstrel. Because I got to change the atmosphere of what you've been worshiping this whole entire time. I, I said to a guy not too long, he said, man, y'all got to do all that praise when y'all make people stand up for 45 minutes. I said, yeah, but you don't know how bad the power of the world's influence is. 
We don't come in here and do a preliminary to the preaching with music. We come in here because we're trying to break up an atmosphere because Elisha understood that if I don't change the atmosphere, you'll never receive the word of God. I got to get your heart ready. I got to get the atmosphere ready. I got to get the climate ready so that when I say thus saith the Lord, you don't skip a beat. You don't miss what God is saying and you receive it in your heart. Elisha understood that using natural means increased the sensitivity to a supernatural presence. Just so you'll know, when we say, hey, come on, everybody lift your hands, that's not religious calisthenics. That's putting you in a forced mood to change. You ain't going to make me raise my hands. You're right, we ain't. Even God's not going to make you, Moab. You just do what you want to do, Moab, but your scent does not change. Just need to know that. Y'all look at me and say, I can't believe you. I can't believe you. I can't believe you're looking at me like that. Your scent has not changed. It stays the same. And now everybody's world is your problem. Everybody is picking on you. You're offended by what everybody does except for the people that you like the most. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to look around no more. I feel, I feel fiery eyes shooting back, glaring at me. <laughs> Music increases the mood so we can generate the presence. It increases our sensitivity to presence. So, so Elisha even looks at Jehoram and says, look here, Jack. I wouldn't even be here if it were not for Jehoshaphat. The only reason I'm going to stand in here and ask for a musician, the only reason I'm going to stand in the assembly of your presence, it's not because I think of something about you, because you are a Moab worshiper. You are carnal, you are fleshly, and you have brought Israel down to its knees. But I'm standing here on behalf of Jehoshaphat, who is the king of Judah. Judah means praise. I'm standing here because as long as I've got some praise in this valley. Y'all going to help me in a minute. As long as there's some praise in this valley, we can turn the tide against the enemy. As long as I can lift up my voice, we can begin to make a difference. The Bible says in Psalm 71, verse number, Psalm 76, verse number 1, that God is known in Judah. You want to get to know God? Begin to praise God. Praise Him like you lost your mind. Praise Him like it don't make sense. Praise Him like you don't care what the person on the left thinks about you or what the person on the right, because they can't help you, they can't make you, and they can't break you. As long as you know that the God of Israel is in my camp. Woo, come on, give him praise. Come on, Pastor Porter. So the first thing he did, I'm, I'm closing so y'all know that. When, when, when y'all see all this going on, y'all know he's got like, like, like a few more minutes. The first thing he did was call for a, a, a musician. The reason why it was called, Elisha needed the music, watch this, to calm down the people. Because they were troubled over the fact that these kings had lost their faith in God. And they had, a, they had allowed Israel to worship a false deity. So Elijah said, let's, let's change this atmosphere. 
The second reason why he wanted music was he needed to get the kings in the right frame of mind. Come on, kings. You got to get in the right frame of mind. The right frame of mind mentally, the right frame of mind physically, and the right frame of mind spiritually to receive what God was about to say. And he had to change the environment. Because that's what music does. It changes the atmosphere. Let me just show you a little bit how it works. Here's a few lines. You're going to make it. Don't give up. God is with you. Your seatbelt is changing. Oh, that's, I guess my mic's going in and out. Hello. I'm going to say it like this. Okay, there we go. What if we added a little music to it? Come on, Pastor Porter. Just feel it. Something begins to shift. Now what if I said, you're going to make it. God is with you. Your season is about to change. Feel it? Feel it? It's not a preliminary to the, to the word. It's to get you emotionally charged. To begin to change the environment of Moab in your life. So when you stand up and say, guess what God's about to do? God's about to fill your valley. The ditches in your valley are about to be filled and flooded with God's presence. Come on, look at somebody next to you now. Tell them you're going to make it. Come on, tell them you're going to make it. God is not finished. Woo, come on. Come on, I feel water. I feel rain. I feel the movement of God. I feel something stirring. Come on, if you believe that, get on your feet. Come on, just something moving. Come on, lift your hands while you're standing. Come on, lift your hands while you're standing. Come on, don't wait on me. I'm waiting on you. Come on, how bad do you want God to feel it? How bad do you need a miracle? Lift your voice, lift your voice, oh, he's a rainmaker, he's a rainmaker, 
about to be filled. The low place is about to overflow. Break it off. Break off Moab. Break off the sin of the world. Break off the restraint of the world. I come here to worship my King. I come here to worship my Savior. I came here to worship my Deliverer. What to say? Just open up your mouth and just say, God, I need you. God, I need you. Oh, God. Oh, I need you. I don't want to look like Moab. I don't want to be a false worshiper. We're going to shift the atmosphere. There's an environment over your life that's about to be broke up. The King of Glory, the King of Glory is coming. Make this valley, make this valley full of ditches. You prepare the natural, and I'll fill it with the supernatural. You dig a bridge. You dig the ditch. Dig it with your praise. Dig it with your worship. Dig it with your faith. Oh. Say all we need is you. Say all we need is you. Say all we need is you. All we need is you. Just you. Oh, we declare that no one else will do. Come on, dig. No one else will do. Say no one else will do. The sound. We say we release the sound. We release the sound. We release the sound. We release the sound. This is this. We're going to close out right here. The last point that I had was. Sometimes you just have to keep on digging. Elisha said to them, make this valley full of ditches. That's not what those three kings wanted to hear. 
because they had been marching for seven days and they were thirsty. Animal, livestock was dying. And even some of the men had fell prey to death because of a lack of water. They wanted God. Watch me now. Don't miss what I'm about to tell you. They wanted God to perform a miracle. But God gave them a work order. This is where the church don't need to be like Moab. We don't need to be lazy. We don't need to be idle. They wanted a miracle. God said, dig a ditch. Come on. I want you to dig in the natural what I can supply in the spirit. I want you to prepare the natural realm so that I can fill it with a supernatural realm. Yes. You can dig the ditch, but only God can fill it. You can dig the ditch, but only God can make it rain. So for the next 30 seconds, while you're worshiping, while you're praising, you're digging a ditch. Maybe you're digging a ditch for your family. Maybe you're digging a ditch for your business. Maybe you're digging a ditch for a generation. But just keep on digging. Come on, one, two, three, come on, lift your voice. Come on, dig, dig, dig. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, we're gonna dig. We're gonna dig in this. We're gonna dig until God pours it out. We're gonna dig until there's a flood. We need a house of diggers we need a church full of diggers if I'll dig it God will fill it if I'll dig with my faith if I'll dig with my worship spirit fill my valley with your spirit fill my nation with your spirit fill my family with your spirit fill it God fill it God make it rain God make it rain in my prayer you to another dimension come on Moab ain't that strong Moab has just robbed me of my focus Moab ain't that strong Moab will come down Moab will come down my scent will change my aroma will change Christ will be glorified I'm digging, I'm digging, I'm digging, I'm digging, I'm digging, I'm digging, I'm digging. My praise is a dig. My worship is a dig. My fellowship with the saints is a dig. My faith is a dig. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. You can't stop my worship. You can't stop my praise. You may shut down my business. You may shut down the economy. You may have even taken out people that I love. But you can't stop my praise. You can't stop my praise. I've got a praise in my valley. I've got a praise in my wilderness. You can't stop me, devil. You can't stop me, devil. I have bought into your lies long enough. I will not believe you no more. Moab, Moab, Moab will come down. Moab will come down. Hey, hey. Come on, is anybody free? Is anybody free? I mean free like you know you're free. Free like you can praise him in your pain. Praise him with tears coming down your cheeks. I'm free enough to praise him when it don't make no sense. I'm free enough in God. I don't believe you yet. I don't believe you. Come on, throw your hands up and say, it hurts, but I'm praising him. It don't feel good, but I'm going to praise him. I know I'm in a wilderness. I'm being processed. I don't like change, but I'm going to praise him. Break. 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 Break the chains. Break the restraints. Break in the name of Jesus. walk off. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Mark. They, they got something they want to do, but I'm fixing to walk off. But listen, I grew up here. I grew up in Clouston. I was born and raised right here in Clouston. I know what the pressure is like not to act like you don't want to serve God. I know the pressure, what the pressure is like when you like, like, well, I don't want people thinking something about me. Listen, they all think something about you whether you like it or not. And I know what those feelings are like. Young people, hear me. I know what it's like to go all through school and people make fun of your religion. People make fun of your Christianity. People make fun of the way you worship God. People make fun of you going to church all the time. I know what that's like. I have felt that my entire life because I got saved when I was early on. Like a 12 years old, I was saved. Baptized with the Holy Ghost at 14. I've been living for God like nobody's business as hard as I can go. I'm not perfect. I've messed up. I've blown it a thousand times plus. But I'm just telling you, I know the pressure of what it even feels like in this community, in this household of faith right here. But let me just ask this question to you right now. If you knew God was about to fill your valley with something supernatural, 
If you knew by the time you got in your car, things begin to shift over your life. If you knew before you could even get to the address of your house that something began to break over your strongholds. I wonder how you would act in that moment right now. I wonder what you would do right now if you knew. I just wonder how you would respond. I just wonder. Because see, they had to dig in faith. People dying next to them while they were digging because of heat exhaustion, because they were thirsty. They were dying of a lack of water. Dying. Me and Pastor Mark digging, 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 digging. And Pastor Mark dies. What do you do? I'm going to keep on digging. I'm going to keep on digging. I'm going to keep on digging. No, y'all not getting it. I, I, what do you do when your marriage is almost about to fall apart what do you do what do you do when you kind of get a break in the relationship I'll tell you what you do you don't go to some secular worldly advice you grab your shovel and you dig for your marriage you dig until there's a reconciliation what do you do when your business goes under Come on, Viva gets flipped upside down. It don't make no sense. What do you do? You say, somebody give me a shovel. Somebody give me a shovel. Because God's about to make it rain up in my business. God's about to make it rain in my business. So if you knew he was about to fill it before you could get home, even with death and destruction around you, I wonder how would you act right now in faith? I wonder how, because don't tell me you got faith and you don't act like it. Faith is both natural and spiritual. So on the count of three, if you know God's about to make it rain in your valley, on the count of three, lift your voice and give him a crazy praise. Give him a crazy praise. Give him a praise. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. I hear, I hear the sound of a heavy rain. Hey, hey. I'm gonna dig, I'm gonna dig. Hey, come on, I'm throwing it out. Hey, 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 hey. I don't care what you think about me. I need a miracle. I need a miracle. Okay. I need a miracle. I need a miracle in my family. You can't save them. You can't heal them. You can't fix them. So I don't care what you say about me right now. I can dig, I can dig, I can't make it rain, but I can dig, I can't make it rain, but I can dig, 
You gotta know your moment. Don't miss your moment, new harvest. That's it, that's it, I feel it. Ha <laughs> Woo! Feel Hey! 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 Come on, where's your breakthrough at? It's in your preparation. My breakthrough is in my preparation for God. Just give him praise right there. Come on, just thank him. No, I mean, come on, really thank him right now. Just thank him. Come on. Come on, no, really. Come on, not. No, let's just know something has been done in the realm of the spirit. I did the natural. God's going to do the supernatural. <laughs> 